Silence is pretty uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. And you know, as we go into this Christmas story, that's what it was like for Israel. We were silent here for 35 seconds. For Israel, that time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, 400 years without a visible sign of God. But then Christmas came. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. We've been talking the last couple weeks about the songs of Christmas. Two weeks ago, Dan talked about Mary's song. We talked about Zechariah's song last week. And today, we're gonna talk about what is probably the most common passage used at Christmas time in the entire Bible. It's the one, I'm sure you have heard it over and over if you've been in church. I mean, it's so common, Linus read it on Charlie Brown's Christmas. That's how common it is. But here's the thing today. Sometimes the common becomes familiar. It becomes ordinary. It becomes routine. And we're talking about the greatest message in the history of mankind, and it's ordinary? It's routine? And so here's my challenge for you today is don't lose the sense of awe and wonder of what happened at Christmas time. Because I don't want it to be ordinary. I want it to be fresh every day that the God of heaven, the God that blew breath into mankind, that put the planets into motion, the stars into place, has come and walked this earth and laid his life down as a sacrifice for many. That's not ordinary. And that sense of awe and wonder, I mean, it's like what Billy Graham would say. He said, you know, when I really needed some prayer, he goes, I would ask my grandkids because there's this sense of awe in them that, man, God can do anything, anything. But sometimes as adults, we begin to lose that. And so here's my challenge for you today because this is a passage I'm guessing you have heard. For those of you that are online, I'm guessing... Maybe you've heard this, you've, you've at least watched Charlie Brown, you heard it there. But here's, here's the passage, I'm not gonna put it up on the screen, I want you to hear it. And I want you to hear it with some fresh ears today. Because I believe God wants to speak to you today. And I don't know why you're here. You're, you're from out of town and you're here with family for the holidays, you're at work, it's Christmas season and it's like, hey, we probably should go to church. Um, you had nothing else to do. I don't know what your reason is. For those of you online, it's, hey, I woke up and you know, somebody shared it on Facebook with you or, or something like that. So let's start in Luke chapter two. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Now think about that. Why shepherds? I mean, the shepherds are the lowest of the low. Why not the kings and queens? Why not the religious leaders? Why not, you know, the most powerful financial people in that community? But the shepherds, really? It says, suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Can you imagine what it's gonna be like to be in the presence of the Lord's glory? How perfect it's gonna be how beautiful it's gonna be. And that's what happened. And they were terrified. 
That's usually the response when people encounter an angel throughout scripture, they're afraid. It says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy to all people. Not just the Jews, but this is prophetic. This is for the Gentiles also, to all people. It's good news. And wouldn't it be great to turn on CNN or Fox News or BBC or China Daily or Al Jazeera or wherever it is that you get your news, you know, University High School, whatever, to just hear good news. And this isn't just good news. This is the greatest news in history ever that is coming, and the angels are bringing good news. And here's the news. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, the one you have waited for, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. It was prophesied 500 years before that in the book of Micah that the Messiah would come to the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Now, now picture Mary and Joseph. You, you know, I, I always think, I wonder how far they had to walk. Because you know they walked, they rode a donkey, and things like that. I always picture they walked like from here to Liberty Lake. You know, three or four miles. For my friends that are watching in Kenya and Ethiopia and Philippines, I, you have no idea where Liberty Lake is. It doesn't matter. A short distance, okay? But sometimes that's what I picture. Depending on the route Mary and Joseph took, they walked somewhere between 70 and 100 miles. Nine months pregnant on a donkey. Nine months pregnant on a donkey. They walked from here to Ritzville. Think about that. And then scripture goes on. It says, suddenly... I mean, I love it. It uses it twice in that you picture the, the shepherds out in this field. It's like, suddenly, you know, and it, it's like it just happens. They've been waiting for 400 years, and it feels like it's like that. The angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God. Not just one angel, armies of angels. Now, you, you've been, maybe you've been up in the mountains, you know, where it's so dark, there's no light radiating from towns nearby. That's probably what it was like. There's no electricity there. I know you knew that. Armies of angels. Can you see it? The shepherds are watching this, and here's the news. They said, glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Peace on earth. This isn't peace, lack of conflict, lack of war. This is the peace that we're all striving for. How to be at peace with God, the one that created you, to be reconciled to him. Peace on earth. That is the peace that is being offered, that peace that passes all understanding. And then it says, when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other. I mean, can you imagine the shepherds out there? It's like, Man, Bill, <laughs> you know, and you're just like, what, you know, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. I mean, wouldn't you do the same thing? I gotta see what the angels are talking about. Let's see this thing that happened that the Lord has said. You know, and even Bethlehem, I mean, in my mind, I think Bethlehem is, you know, like Coeur d'Alene, 30,000 people, something like that. Historians say Bethlehem at this time was about 300 people. 
That's it. No, re- no wonder there's no room at the inn. There's probably only a couple inns in a, in a village of 300 people. So they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel said about this child. All who had heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God. That's what happens when you have an encounter with God. It puts you to this place of worship, this place of wanting to praise him. That's why, you know, worship here in song is so important. We want to bring people into the presence of God to have this encounter with the living God. They were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, for it was just as the angel had told them. And here's the shepherds. The shepherds hadn't, I mean, there's no name. And they're the ones that are being told about the name above all names. The lowly heard about the most high, the shepherds. The shepherds, they're outcasts of society. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today is shepherds. Because what do shepherds do? Well, they shepherd. They take care of sheep. They look out for the lamb. And we're gonna focus on the lamb. Because these shepherds, based off their location, probably were caring for the temple sheep. The sheep that were being sacrificed at the temple in atonement for sin, okay? Trying to sacrifice this animal, this blood offering uh, for sin. The temple sheep. You know, and you, you think about uh, when Jesus got baptized in John 1, 29. It says, you know, Jesus was coming and John the Baptist, who we heard about last week, it said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They call, he calls Jesus the lamb. The lamb. And so here's the question today. Why shepherds? Why sheep? And what does this have to do with you? Why shepherds? Why sheep? And what does this have to do with you? Because, you know, from the beginning of time, we've been trying to restore relationship with God. We've gone our own way. And God's trying to reconcile that relationship. And if you go all the way back, as you look at scripture, you know, Hebrews 9 really captures this image of the lamb. It says, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And you think, so should we be sacrificing animals today? What happened in in these 2,000 years? What changed Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And so if, in your Bible, if you go back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 22, Abraham is taking Isaac to go to kill him. And Ab- or Isaac asks Abraham, it says, but where's the lamb? And prophetically, Abraham said, the Lord himself will provide the lamb. Prophetic of what was gonna happen thousands of years later. 
And then if you go into the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible. So let me paint a picture for you. The Israelites are being, they're slaves in Egypt. They've been there for about 400 years. And God calls Moses to go to the Pharaoh and, and say those words, let my people go. And then there's these plagues, frogs and locusts and boils and things like this. As Pharaoh's heart becomes more and more hard, this is what God said in Exodus chapter 12. Israel must slaughter their lamb at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and top of their doorposts of their house. So they kill the lamb, they wipe the blood on the doorposts of their house. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and I'll strike down every firstborn son and every firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against the gods of Egypt for I am the Lord. But the blood on the doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are living. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. God's judgment will not fall on that house because of the shedding of blood. Zach just talked about it in communion, Passover. That's what Passover is. The night the Spirit of God passed over the land, but the Israelites, because of the blood, were saved. And that says, this is a day to remember. Each year from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a feast. When Moses finished speaking, all the people bowed down and worshiped. They had an encounter with God, and as a result, they worshiped. And then you go to the third book of the Bible, Leviticus 16, and some of you, I mean, some, some of you are going, wow, there's 66 books in the Bible, and we're at book three. I have no place to be till Tuesday, so this is gonna be, no, just kidding. Okay, Leviticus 16, okay, this, this is the start. So now the Israelites, they're wandering through the desert, and they have this thing, it's called the Day of Atonement. Atonement means uh, making, making your sins right, okay? Reconciling yourself with God. In the Jewish calendar, it's called Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And this is what was said. So Aaron is the high priest. On that day, the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies of the temple. There's this giant curtain. He walks in. The Ark of the Covenant is there. This is where the presence of God resides. When Jesus died on the cross, that was the curtain that was torn in two. So Aaron goes into the Holy of Holies. And before he goes in, it says, there he must take two male goats, present them to the Lord at the entrance. Aaron will then present as a sin offering one of those goats. The other one, the scapegoat, that's where the word scapegoat comes from, is chosen to be sent away. When it's sent away in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right. So Aaron kills the one and sprinkles the blood on the Ark of the Covenant. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The other one, the high priest, will take his hands and he will put them on the goat, passing the sins of the people of Israel on this animal, and they will take this animal about 10 miles outside of the village and let it go. It's taken the sin. When we hear, God will cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. These sins were imputed upon the lamb to be sent away. 
So now let's go back to the New Testament here. Remember John 1, 29. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the Lamb of God that we put his blood on the doorpost. This is the Lamb of God that we put our sins upon him. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. God came to save you. It was not paid with gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the blood of Jesus, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Remember, why shepherds? Why sheep? And what does this have to do with you today? And Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians. He says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. He makes that connection. Until there's a perfect sacrifice, we are lost in our sins. We would still be sacrificing animals at the temple if Jesus had not come. He was the perfect sacrifice. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's what sin does. Sin separates us from God. And for thousands of years, people are trying to reconcile that relationship. And they do it all sorts of ways. Well, I'll just try harder. I'll try to be a nice person. I'll give money. I'll give up my time. I'll do all these things. Do, 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 do. And Jesus say, no, it's been done. You don't have to do. Just follow me. That's the story of scripture. He came as the spotless lamb in forgiveness of your sins to reconcile you with God. That's the message of Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Okay, that's the story. So why did they come to the shepherds? I think it's to point people to the lamb, to make that connection. You know, the Bible ends in Revelation, um, you know, in chapter five. So, so here it is. People gathered around the throne of God. And isn't that the goal of our faith? Isn't that the hope that lies within us is to spend eternity in heaven? That's the goal. This life on earth is just a wisp. It's to prepare us for heaven, to be in his presence. And here's what it says in Revelation. For you were slaughtered, talking about Jesus. Your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, nation, and tongue. Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels. That's what it's gonna be like. It's gonna be so beyond anything we can comprehend. In the presence of millions of angels around the throne and living beings, and they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. This is the angel singing around God. And then I heard every creature in heaven, that's us. If you're a follower of Christ, after your last breath on earth, your next breath is gonna be in the presence of God, saying, singing, blessing and honor and glory and power belongs to the one on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever, and ever. And they said amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped the lamb. You have an encounter with God, it brings you to a place of worship. It brings you to a place of worship. And that's where we are today. 
You've heard the story. You've read the story, you've seen the story, you've watched Charlie Brown. But have you responded to the story? Have you responded to it? You know, I, I like what John Piper, this one of my favorite books, called Let the Nations Be Glad. Piper's a pastor in Minnesota. And he, he starts his book in chapter one. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. We wanna be worshipers. The reason we spread the gospel in the Philippines and Uganda, in our neighborhoods, is because we want people to have this encounter with God. We want people to be reconciled with him. And I don't know why you're here today, why you're watching online. You know, maybe a friend brought you, maybe you're, you have family, your family from out of town. Maybe it's like, hey, it's Christmas season, I should probably go to church. Whatever your reason is, I want you to hear this message of Christ. I want you to hear this message because, you know, in Isaiah, this Old Testament, it really captures the Christmas story in just a few short verses in chapter 53. It says, but he, but Jesus, was pierced for our rebellion. He was bruised for our iniquity. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. All of us. We have left God's path to follow our own. Isn't that where we're at? We're all sinners. I have followed my own path, thinking it's gonna lead me to peace and happiness and joy, and I realize it doesn't. It comes just, eventually it leads to emptiness. It leads to this place of distance from God. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep is silent before the shears. He did not open his mouth. He was buried like a criminal, put in a grave so that many could be counted righteous. Are you part of the many? That many could be counted righteous. Righteous, being in right standing with God that confidence that comes from following Jesus. You know, it's like it says in 1 John, it says, for he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to those of you who believe so you may know you have eternal life. This isn't a guessing game where you come to the end, it's like, man, I hope I'm in. No, that's not what scripture says. Jesus lays out this really clear plan of salvation. Are you counted among the many? The last things Jesus said on the cross, he said this phrase, three words. He said, it is finished, which the word in the, the originally was called tetelestai, tetelestai, which means paid in full. It's like you have a debt at Best Buy. Here's the bill. You pay it, and they stamp tetelestai, paid in full. Your debt is your sin, And Jesus, when he died on the cross, he said, paid in full. Your sin is paid in full. But I know in a room like this, you know, several hundred people online, several thousand people are gonna see this message over the course of the next couple days. 
There's not thousands of people, there's really only two people in this room when it comes down to it. There's those that are following Jesus and those that are not. There is no in-between. There's no, hey, I'm, six, I'm a 60% follower of Jesus. That's not what Jesus said. He said, come die to yourself and follow me. You're either all in or all out. That's the reality of it. I, I wanna be totally honest and transparent with you. Where are you today? Are you a follower of Jesus? And I wanna talk to the two of you. First, I wanna talk to those of you that are followers of Jesus. What about the shepherd? What about the sheep? And what does this have to do with you? Here's what it has to do with you. For those of you that are followers of Christ, it has to deal with, do with four words. You know, when Jesus came, the angel came and declared over him at the beginning of his life. At the end of his life, the angel also came. The two women went out to the tomb to, to see the grave. And when they got there in Matthew 28, it said, then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has raised from the dead just as he said he would. Come see where his body was lying and now go quickly and tell. Four words. Go quickly and tell. Tell his disciples he's risen from the dead. That's the word for you that are a follower of Christ. Go quickly and tell. Why would you not tell the greatest news in the history of the world that Jesus came to this earth for you because he loves you so much and he wants this eternal relationship with you? Why would you not tell somebody that? This is the greatest news in history. It's gonna change everything for them. Four words. I was talking to my friend in Ethiopia. I said, Abera, what would you tell the people of this church? And he, he said in his Abera way, he goes, why are you here? Go, go, leave the walls of this church and go tell somebody. That's the attitude we should have. We should have this sense of awe and wonder that God wants to use you in the life of somebody. Just like when I was 16, God used Daryl Stavros to point me to Jesus and Stan Richmond and Neil Swanson and John Christopher to disciple me, to point me to Jesus. It was one person that said, I wanna get involved, I wanna tell somebody. I mean, Zach just gave you three different ways to tell somebody, bring them to church. Bring them to church with you. Tell them about the church. Share a video. Go over to the house. Bake cookies with them. Tell them about Jesus. That's your four words. If you get nothing out of today, remember those four words tonight. Go quickly and tell. Because that's the message of Scripture. Now, for those of you that are not followers of Jesus today, I want to talk to you also. And I want to be a sincere and genuine as I possibly can. Your eternity is at stake. It's that serious. After your last breath on earth, I want your next breath to be in heaven, worshiping God. And I don't know why you came today. It might be somewhere in this last week Somebody mentioned something about Jesus to you 
and you're just feeling convicted. You know you're not right with him and you wanna get right with him. You hear about Jesus giving life, giving life abundantly and you're like, I want that. I want that. I don't know how to start so I, I'm gonna come to church or I'm gonna watch a video. Here's the thing. Jesus loves you so much that he's willing to die for you. He's asking you to follow him. Not a little bit, but entirely. To follow him. To come to the end of yourself and say, Jesus, I'm in. I'm in. And you know, after, after I finish here, you know, we'll have some people over at the cross, they'll pray with you about that, what it means to follow Jesus. That's the story of Christmas. That's why we celebrate this. That's why it's so important. That's why Jesus came. He came so that you can be reconciled with him. The perfect spotless lamb died on the cross for you. You know, I wanna end with this poem today. This poem's called One Solitary Life. It was written about 100 years ago by this guy named James Francis. And, and this is a poem, I believe, if you're a follower of Jesus, this poem's for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, I mean, that may happen in five minutes from now. I don't know your story. I'm believing it's going to. This poem's for you also. It's called One Solitary Life. Here's a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was a traveling preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from where he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While still a young man, the tide of opinion turned against him. His friends ran away, one denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothes. When he was dead, he, laid, he was laid in a borrower's grave through the pity of a friend. 20 long centuries have passed, have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race and the leader of the column of progress. And I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the governments that ever sat and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as that one solitary life, Jesus. Let's pray. God, today, give us ears to hear Give us ears to hear, Lord, the greatest news in the history of the world. As we prepare for Christmas celebrations in a few days, God, let our hearts be right. Let us go quickly and tell. Let us decide to follow you. 
Because that was the plan from the beginning of time was to reconcile people with God. God, today, change lives. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.